Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio show. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is How Satan Tempts Us. Today, we're going to talk about something that we all deal with every single day, and that is temptation. We all know who the tempter is. It's Satan. So I want to increase your understanding of how Satan tempts you. I took this podcast from an article I wrote 20 years ago in June of 2002 when I used to put out a newsletter. I was going through some paperwork and I had the good fortune to come across a copy. I had not thought of this article in many, many years. We all know who Satan is. Satan is in competition with God to win souls. And he wins souls by getting people into sin and by keeping them from getting saved and being forgiven. Also by getting them to refuse to forgive others, since if we do not forgive, we are also not forgiven, and you cannot enter heaven if you are not forgiven. Satan has those same goals for you. He wants to get you into sin, keep you from getting saved if you're not saved yet, and to get you to refuse to forgive someone else or anyone else or everyone else to keep you out of heaven. He cannot ever have what we have, so he hates all of us. Satan has watched you every moment of your life. That's how he knows so well every sin you've ever committed. He is there now watching as you listen to this. He knows exactly when, where, how, and with whom you are most likely to sin. He knows every need you have, everything you like and dislike, and every sin you are vulnerable to. He has listened to every conversation you have ever had. He has mastered setting up your circumstances to present just the right conditions to make you want to sin. He is terrified of your anointing. He knows the anointing destroys the yokes of bondage. If you get free from sin, you might tell others how to get free. He hates you. And if God would allow him to, he would kill you this very second and you would never finish listening to this podcast. Since God is not allowing him to do that, he tries his best to get you to destroy yourself. The first thing you must realize is that this is not a game. Satan is out to kill you any way he can, and he's not particular. He don't care which way. And if you are not careful, if you are not vigilant, you will help him do it. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. To devour means to swallow something up. If you ever saw the movie Jaws back in the 1970s, then you know what I mean when I say swallow up. Every time you give in to the temptation to sin, you open another doorway in your life for him. And you are literally opening that door and inviting someone who wants to kill you into your home. He speaks to you pretending to be your friend, but in him is only evil. John eight 
Verse 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You ever heard someone say, if so-and-so's mouth is moving, they're lying? That's where they got that trait from him. Satan often starts setting up temptations in your life by distracting you from worship, by keeping you from your Christian friends or keeping you from church, where you might be accountable, away from prayer, from praise, from studying the word. He knows the power of the word and that he is defeated whenever the word is used against him. He knows how powerful worship is and that God inhabits the praises of his people. He knows that praise and worship immediately bring God into your battles. Another way he sets you up is to arrange circumstances, frustrations, and people who drain you so that you become worn down, weary, exhausted, and distracted by other events or happenings in your life. Once he sees you are weakened, he moves in for the kill. He will begin to speak softly to you, luring, enticing, offering comfort, persuading, and even flattering you. James 1.14 tells us, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. We are drawn away by our own appetites and desires. The enticement comes when Satan moves in with the bombardment of tempting thoughts to your mind. When he offers comfort in your weariness and pleasures, he says we'll wipe away everything else. The battlefield is always in your mind. Your mind is where you will either win the battle or lose it. You win it by casting down unholy, tempting thoughts and replacing them with thoughts that are pure. By refusing to entertain wrong thoughts. You lose the battle when you accept Satan's invitation to think about the temptation and think how enjoyable that sin would be. To entertain a thought means to think on it and imagine it instead of casting it out of your mind. The reason that causes you to lose the battle is because your behavior follows your thoughts. If you don't let your thoughts get into sin, your behavior won't either. The most challenging key to winning the battles is to recognize when the enemy is talking to you and shut him down. So many thoughts enter our minds every day that we don't exert the energy to cast down or, or throw them away. Our minds are overburdened with constant stimuli, television, radios, people noise, traffic noise, coworkers, meaningless chatter, people shouting in the street. There's noise all around us all the time. Peace and quiet has become a rare commodity in our world. The word entice in this passage of scripture is from the Greek word deleotso, meaning to delude or entrap, and it comes from the root word dolos, meaning trick, decoy, or deceit. We have a desire or appetite already within us for something. Satan uses circumstances to weaken our resistance, and then he moves in with thoughts of temptation to trick us or deceive us into believing the sin he is dangling before us will make us feel happy and fulfilled. One of Satan's favorite tricks is to place a decoy in front of you that appears to be just the thing you have been wanting. 
Like, let's say you're believing for a godly spouse. Satan will send someone that acts and looks just like what you want. But inside, he knows they are anything but. Wrong relationships are one of his most effective tools to derail God's children. A decoy is something fake that looks like the real thing. But when you get close to it, it's hard and lifeless. Y'all ever see one of those decoy ducks hunters use to lure real ducks to their death? They look just like a beautiful duck from a distance. They float like ducks. They're the right color to the ducks. But when they paddle up beside them, there's no life in them. And seconds later, there's no life in the other duck either. When you get with someone who is not in a serious walk with the Lord like you are, they don't gravitate to the things of God, but away from them. And they don't really want you gravitating to the things of God either. You cannot enjoy the things of God together. They will lead you into sin and do their best to keep you there. They will lead you into sin, not away from it, and do their best to keep you there because, well, honestly, they're not about walking in purity since they don't care about the things of God, are they? Someone who really cares about you will not tempt you into sin. They will protect you from sin. Keep that in your heart if you're looking for a mate, okay? Because that's one of the signs that's either the right or wrong person. People who live in the world whose souls are not hidden in Christ just live for the moment. They live for the next high or the next moment of pleasure because that is all they have to look forward to because they don't have Jesus. And if you get with someone in the world, they can end up being all you have to look forward to too. Be careful. You better have your eyes open in the dating world of today. There's a saying. When you dance with the devil, the devil don't change. The devil changes you. So don't dance with the devil, all right? So Satan puts the decoy in front of you, and then he begins enticing you. He knows you already have a desire for what you see. That's why he arranged it. And then Satan... He'll try to minimize the sin that he's tempting you with by saying things like, go ahead, nobody will find out. It's not that big of a sin. Oh, just this once won't hurt. God understands you're only human. And you can be forgiven for that. This, by the way, is especially popular with some churches. You don't have to give that sin up yet. Oh, you aren't ever going to be able to live without that. That runs in your family. You can't help it. There's no use trying to live that way. You'll never make it. That craving is never going to go away. You know you've never been able to give that up. You deserve better than that. Just look at all the good you've done lately. Surely this one little sin won't count against you. Now isn't the right time for you. You can get your act together later. Oh, there's plenty of time. That's one of his biggest lies, by the way. Oh, there's plenty of time. Hell isn't a real place. That's just in the movies. A loving God would never send people to hell. By the way, God doesn't send you to hell. You send yourself. Just think how good you will feel if you do that. 
A well-known author once told this story of an account he had read, he had with seagulls. Several years ago, our family visited Niagara Falls. It was spring, and ice was rushing down the river. As I viewed the large blocks of ice flowing towards the falls, I could see that there were dead fish embedded in the ice. Gulls by the score were riding down the river feeding on the fish. As they came to the brink of the falls, their wings would go out and they would escape from the falls. I watched one gull which seemed to delay and wondered when it would leave. It was engrossed in the fish, and when it finally came to the brink of the falls, out went its powerful wings. The bird flapped and flapped and even lifted the ice out of the water, and I thought it would escape. But it had delayed too long, so that its claws had frozen into the ice. The weight of the ice was too great, and the gull was plunged into the abyss. How sad that even though the bird had plenty of time to fly away, because it delayed, it paid the price. Now think of this story in terms of the Christian life. When we become overly enthralled with the things of this world, they can bring us down and cause our spiritual death. The finest attractions of this world become deadly when we become overly attached to them. If we cannot give up the things of this world and focus on Christ, we cannot be used by Him. Our eyes must be upward on Him rather than downward on this world. There are three major areas of temptation, and they are the three same areas Jesus was tempted by when he was led into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days in Matthew chapter 4. They are the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, as talked about in 1 John 2.16. Let me just read this now. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 John Chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 15 and read through 17. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. It's easier to read. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Verse 17, and the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We want to abide forever, right? The lust of the flesh is physical craving of any kind, such as sex, drugs, that sort of thing. The lust of the eyes are the things that we see that we desire. The pri- like if you see, let's say that you pass a jewelry store window and you see a beautiful diamond jewelry of some kind and you want that, that's the lust of the eyes. You want it because you saw it, and it's beautiful. The pride of life is the things of this world that we are proud of, like if you own a grand house, maybe you're proud of that, or a Lamborghini or Rolex watch or something like that. Lust is defined as an intense desire or craving for something, especially that which is forbidden. We tend to make idols of things or people that we lust after. And, and then you get into idolatry, so you have to be careful. The craving and desire can get so strong as we listen to and entertain the tempting thoughts that we shut out the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit warning us of impending danger and calling us back into the Word of God. Satan wants to shut out that still, small voice because the Word is precisely what defeats him and what renews our minds to the point that we are no longer tempted by the sins that caused us to fall before.
When Satan is recounting all the wonderful pleasures committing that sin will bring, he fails to mention that he himself, the accuser of the brethren, is going to be in your face condemning you one second after you have done that sin. That he is going to make you feel shame and regret and condemnation for doing the very thing he persuaded you to do. He fails to mention that after the brief pleasure of sinning, and it is always brief, you will be tormented for weeks or months or years by the consequences and guilt of what you have done. And you will be hearing his taunts as well. He fails to mention that some sins carry consequences that last a lifetime. And that every time you compromise your morals or your beliefs, it costs you something. It will cost you some blessings, sometimes many blessings. He wants you to look only at the momentary pleasure of the sin he is tempting you with. So how can we resist an enemy who knows our weaknesses so well? Well, I'm glad you ask. Number one, know him. Know your enemy and know him well. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. To be vigilant means to keep careful watch for possible danger or difficulty. If you knew somebody was going to break into your house, you'd be on guard, right? You'd be watching real carefully. All right, then. Satan's trying to break into your house. In order to defeat any enemy, you must first know your enemy. Realize the devil is working every minute of every day to destroy you. He hates you and he wants you dead. He is never going to stop trying to make you fall. If he can't kill you, he at least wants to get you into sin. So temptation to sin is a given. And in case you have not figured this out already, sin is not going to die. You must die to it. You must come to the place where you are no longer tempted by the sins that have plagued you in the past. And it is a fight to get to that place, but it is wonderfully liberating when you get there. Because then you can concentrate on the things of God and serving the Lord without all that interference. Number two, arm yourself. Put on the whole armor of God. This is found in your Bible in Ephesians chapter 6. You need to put this on every morning. It will help you keep from getting beat up by the devil. We're going to read starting in verse 13 if you want to follow along. God has given us many weapons to use against our adversary, the devil. Use them. Start by putting on the whole armor every morning when you pray. I girt my loins with the girdle of truth. I put on my breastplate of righteousness. I shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I take up my shield of faith. I put on the helmet of salvation. I take up my sword of the spirit, which is your magnificent word, Lord. That simple prayer, prayed daily, brings protection to you in the spiritual world that you cannot see with your natural eyes, but which is vital in your fight against the devil. No soldier would ever go into battle without some armor on, y'all. All right? Number three, do not neglect your time with God. This one is so hard in today's busy world. And y'all, I mess up on this too, okay? There are days when I wake up late and my feet hit the floor and my dogs are staring at me like, you better get us outside or there's going to be consequences. 
and you know and I'm trying to get them out and then I have to mix up all their medicines give them medicines I have to give them breakfast you know and I'm doing all this because I have one dog that gets sick if she don't eat something and you know you get busy and then before you know it you're working or you're doing your thing and you did not pray and you did not put on your armor and yeah so there you are but here is something to help you and all of us remember me too if you are tempted to forego your prayer time or time in the word be suspicious because the devil is setting you up for a fall he begins very subtly and this is one of his first moves and it don't even look like it's him when it happens it looks like it's you our daily time in the word of god helps us get it on our minds and deep into our spirits where it renews our minds and sharpens our sword so that we can win every battle against the enemy what are you going to fight him with if you don't know the word your willpower because i can tell you that's not going to last very long unless you are a pillar of willpower and if you are then your life is showing that does your life show that if you're planning to use just your willpower you won't last long and you will not prevail i'm just saying if you are not knowledgeable in god's word and strengthened in prayer you are an easy target and satan will eat your lunch and pop the bag right in your face can i just tell you that jesus fought temptation by speaking the word see matthew chapter 4 starting in verse 3 and when the tempter came to him he said if thou be the son of god command that these stones be made bread in this satan was trying to appeal to pride but jesus didn't have any and fleshly appetites but jesus had already mastered all that so it didn't work verse 4 but he answered and said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god and in verse 4 jesus is quoting deuteronomy 8 3 which says and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. That's a little bit of a misquote, but okay. Verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Here Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 6.16, which says, Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Verse 8, Again the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Here Jesus could have been quoting from a few different scriptures, since serving the Lord and only the Lord is a prevalent command in scripture. One is Deuteronomy 10.20, which says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. Or possibly Joshua 24.14, which says, now therefore fear the lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in egypt and serve ye the lord the devil knows you are saved but he does not want anyone else to know it he also does not want anyone else to believe it is actually possible to live a life of holiness it is possible but it requires dying to the desires of your flesh 
Because if you are waiting for the Lord, (laughs) let me tell you something. If you are waiting for the Lord to take this or that sin from you, let me give you a newsflash. It's not going to happen. And if you are waiting for your flesh to not desire it anymore, let me give you another newsflash. That don't happen either. The flesh's appetites will rage until Jesus comes back to get us. Sin is inherent in our DNA. Your flesh does not die to wanting sin. You die to what it wants. This is what the Apostle Paul meant when he wrote, I die daily. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. Like ignoring a child that is crying for something it should not have, you have to ignore your flesh. Like ignoring a child that is crying for something it should not have, you ignore your flesh. You have to ignore it when it wants something. You have to ignore your fleshly desires, which are not in line with God's word or not in line with his will for your life. When it is crying for something it should not have. Okay. Eventually the crying stops and you're free. And I can tell you that for a fact because I have done it more than once. God is always working to bring you up higher in a closer relationship with him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's Revelation 3.20. The door Jesus is knocking on is the door to the next area of your heart he wants access to. There is always another area where we have not allowed him full access. That's every single one of us. He said, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To sup with someone means to eat with them. So that knock you heard was Jesus knocking to come in and have a meal with you. Why would he want to do that? Because as we share a meal with someone, our relationship deepens with them. We get to know them better and they us. It helps bond us together. He wants to come closer to you if you will only allow him access. And this scripture is in Revelation. So it is for our time especially. Revelation is all about the end times. It is so important that you realize and tell the people you love most how late the hour is. Y'all, we are so close to going home to heaven. I am really afraid for people who are continuing on in sin. I am not even kidding you. My friend Ray Bergman, who guests on JPH Radio a lot, gets prophetic dreams and messages from the Lord. And the Lord told him many months ago, one morning, the white horse is riding. That's the white horse of Revelation 6. That's the first of the four apocalyptic horses. That means the first seal has already been opened. Let me read you Revelation 6, verses 1 and 2. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. He, that one, the man who sits on that horse is known as the conqueror. Nobody knows for sure who he is. He may be the Antichrist. We don't really know. So we don't know for sure who the conqueror is, but the next seal brings the red horse, which is worldwide war. And the next seals bring famine and plagues. So that's what is coming. I have seen the famine in a vision, and what I saw was mild compared to what a prophet I know saw 
which was so awful, he would not even describe it to me. Please hear me on this. Your sin grieves the Lord. That is a word for somebody. I don't know who, but you know you are sinning and you are grieving the heart of the Lord who loves you so dearly, who died for you. So you could come live forever with him in heaven. And it's your choice if you continue to sin or not. But sin in our time is more serious than ever. Let me explain. God called me to the prophetic many years ago. It started with a vision of a nuclear attack on America and a vision of the coming famine. I had no idea. This was in uh, 2008. I had no idea the hour was so late. I'd already been a Christian for a little while. But when he gave me those, I was like, what on earth? After realizing what those two visions meant, I just kind of sat and stared at walls for three days because I did not know what to do with that information. I saw all my dreams of the future just kind of go up in smoke because I realized we're all about to go home, home to the king and nothing else matters once you realize how late it is. But since that time, and as he has started the prophetic ministry I run, and since he has talked to me again and again and said, warn my people, tell my people, I have tried to warn everyone that I can, what will happen if you do not get the sin out of your life? Before God calls us home, you will be left here with the unbelievers. You will be left here to go through famine and plagues in a time of lawlessness. Like nothing the world has ever seen. It is going to be a virtual free for all. You will be left to suffer in the great tribulation to refine you since you refuse to lay your sin down now when he's trying to get you to do that. And he's trying to get you to do that for your own good. So you decide now which way you want that. He won't be upset at you either way, but the rules are the same for everybody. You can have temporary pleasure, and then you can stay here and be refined in the great tribulation, or you can give up the sin now and suffer a little while, and then he'll establish your freedom, and you won't have to go through that. You know what you've been doing, and he knows too. Nobody else needs to know, but you need to stop doing it if you don't want that fate because the great tribulation is going to be like being trapped inside a horror movie you cannot escape. The Bible says men will want to die but be unable to. No place will be safe then, not your house, no place. And on top of that, Christians will be despised. So no one will help you with anything. It will be a nightmare of suffering. So there is Jesus knocking on that door in your heart. He is not knocking to come in and condemn you. He loves you. He died for you. He is knocking because he wants to come in and show you how to get free in that area. He wants to come in and help you take back that area from the enemy. And by the way, fear, depression, worry, lust, and addiction are all clear indicators that you have closed doors. Hey, I have one I'm working on too. I'm working on trusting God through the storms, physical storms. Pray that God will show you why you are weak in a particular area. Pray for the strength to die to that particular sin, to starve that sin out of your life. To kill any area of fleshly desire, you have to starve it to death. Pray that God will show you the escape from that sin because his word says he always makes a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, 
but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So we're going to pray this now. And let's all pray it, even if we do not know of any sin that we need to lay down, just in case, because Satan is sneaky, y'all. And he gets us into things we don't even notice we're doing sometimes, and he can have you in sin, you don't even know you're in sin. The work of laying down a sin cannot be done by anyone else for you. The work of resisting a sin is up to you alone, and your sin is between you and God alone. Nobody can lay hands on you and pray a sin off of you. You have to get it off you. So you can just follow me and just repeat after me. Address any sin that you know you have or any, just say, Lord, any sins that you see that, you know, because you might be unaware of some. You don't have to name your sin or even know you have one. Let's don't take a chance, okay? Lord, please show me why I am weak in certain areas. Help my understanding, Lord. I want to partner with you to remove any sin from my life. Please give me the courage and strength to lay down whatever sin you see in me and starve it to death, to resist it, even when it screams and screams for my attention. I praise you for showing me the way to escape from whatever sins I am in and every sin I am in. Your word says you always make a way of escape. I praise you that you already made a plan to help me put away sin forever. Lord, I am willing. I don't want to be left behind. That's all I have for y'all this week. I hope this is a blessing to you. Take this seriously, y'all. It's nothing to play around with. I'm not even kidding you. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas 72539 or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com. What is in store for the once great and mighty nation of America in these end times? What is the living God saying to the people of America now? What could possibly be in store for a nation that once trusted in God, but has changed its path from following in the living God's ways to now removing Him from everything?
and walking the other way. In the book, No Longer Mind, you will find all the messages to America collected in one place in chronological order. No Longer Mind, Messages to an Unrepentant Nation is now available in print at wingsofprophecy.com in the bookstore tab. Get your copy of No Longer Mind today. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glinda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook.